Today on the show, we discuss our favorite forearmed Smurf. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes behind some of our favorite video games. I'm Kevin, and introducing one of our newest members, we have Wade. Yes, that's my name. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I appreciate <laughs> the, uh, the pomp and circumstance that makes me feel all, all, all nice inside. Welcome to Lore Party. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. How I feel like it's it's you've you've been around in meetings for a bit, so so I don't I think have. it's too new. I don't think it's too new for you. Yeah, just just been kind of rubbing my hands together and plotting my own schemes in the background all this time. Oh boy, oh boy. Well, today, guys, we are going to talk about the best game ever, probably <laughs> the game that you'll play for the next twenty years of your life. So the next one, the sequel, will come out uh, just in time. We're going to talk about some Elden Ring. Game of the year. Game of the century. That's what, <laughs> that's what everybody's been saying. If it doesn't win at the Game Awards, then I'm going to have words with Keeley. Oh boy, watch out, watch out. So today we're going to talk about someone who is very, very uh, near and dear to our heart, Ronnie. Well, not just our heart, but everyone's hearts. Yes, all the hearts. Literally every heart. Like, I think she steals the hearts and she has like a collection. We, she, we love her. Yes, she is uh, the internet's waifu, as some may say. Ah. Um, and for this episode, we are going to discuss the gods of the lands between the world of Elden Ring and how they would rather let their world be destroyed than give up their power and how Ronnie disrupts that power structure and exemplifies what Elden Ring is all about from both a narrative and design standpoint. Yeah, so there have been, of course, many of memes, but we are going to we're going to do our best to not talk too much Smurf talk here. But uh, before we get into that, gotta say we love to hear from you guys, our listeners. So email us at podcast at loreparty.com with your thoughts and episode ideas. We love hearing from you guys. So this is, you know, of course, Elden Ring's new. So come on in, come on in, and give us more stuff to talk about. Our teams are also streaming weekly on Twitch, so be sure to follow us on twitch.tv slash loreparty. And of course, you can connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at lore underscore party. So tell us a little bit about Ronnie. Um, Ronnie is without a doubt one of, if not the most popular characters in the entire game of Elden Ring. There's treasure troves of fan art, unquestioning dedication to her quest line and her whole ethos i don't know like even compared to some she's not even a boss which you know most most um memorable from soft characters typically tend to be the bosses and you know while while elden ring does have some incredible standouts like millennia and radon and uh soldier of godric everyone's favorite boss in elden ring Hmm. um the one you like one shot at the beginning of the game Despite all of these iconic bosses, it feels like the standout character from Elden Ring is Ronnie, a completely missable NPC with an extremely in-depth and missable questline. 
And so she is, she does kind of give you a crucial game mechanic early on. But after that, you don't see her again unless you either know where she is or seek her out or just happen upon her by circumstance. Yeah. And and also, she's pretty, I would say she's pretty fascinating, wouldn't you? Well, we, I wrote an entire podcast episode about her, so <laughs> I, would, I would definitely, you know, I concur. So yeah, Ronnie holds a very fascinating position, not just within the world of Elden Ring itself, but also in the overarching thematic mythos of From Software's entire catalog of Soulsborne projects. Um, it's a series known for its very oppressive atmosphere and unrelenting nihilism and darkness, but Ronnie represents something pretty different and radical for From Software. Hope, and more specifically to Elden Ring, freedom well i feel like this episode from looking at how long it is i think we have a lot to talk about and i think just this intro has been really fun so before we get into this it's gonna be pretty fun stick around we're gonna hear a word from our sponsor we'll be right back okay we are back and what are we ready to talk about Let's get ready to talk about some demigods. Now, I know the lands between is chock full of demigods. I've died enough to know they're all over the freaking place. Honestly, I think what's his face? Uh, even even the dude on the horse in the beginning, the fucking uh, oh, the tree, well, tree he's not sentinel. A demigod, well, he's but... a demigod to me. Kicks my ass all the time. Oh, <laughs> but, game design. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, everybody's a god. So the demigods of the lands between are all the children of the goddess queen. Marika. Marika, America, whatever. I'm saying Marika. I know there's so many different places. Yeah. Marika being uh, the cru- probably the most crucial figure in Elden Ring. One yes. of, if not the biggest. As her name is evoked frequently, and uh, obviously we can see her effigies. They're, they're found all over throughout Save the points. world. Yeah, they're all over the place. And they, they serve both as loving tributes and then, of course, checkpoints for us, the player. Mm-hmm. Uh, Much it, to uh, the chagrin of the hardcore FromSoft fan, who, uh, but you can you can always when you die you can just say no I don't want to respawn at the the Marika shrine. Hey, look, you know she's there to help me. I'll take all the help I need. I'm maidenless. It's fine. So Queen Marika ascended to godhood when she became the vessel of the Elden Ring. It the yes. Elden Ring is a f- physical manifestation of the Golden Order. So the Golden Order is essentially the the rules of the lands between. So like a a divine doctrine that dictates the perception of reality and upholds the rigid and divine hierarchy established by an outer God known as the greater will. There's so much will going on here. It's yeah, there's rings, there's will. I'm where's the green lantern. Uh, there's there's the two fingers, there's the f- three fingers, there's madness, there's chaos, there's, there's so all much sorts of things. Shit. While I was like researching, I, I wanted to stay on topic, obviously, but it's like there the the greater will is just one of many outer gods. I feel like it's worth mentioning. Obviously, I don't want to go into all of them because yeah, yeah, yeah. they're not entirely relevant to the story of Ronnie. Um, but it's worth noting just as far as something that is relevant to Ronnie, that the Golden Order isn't necessarily the only order, if yes. that makes sense. Yes. It's just the one that the Greater Will has deigned upon the lands between. Yeah, and so, that people have propagated and spread. And 
I mean, yeah, they, wars have been fought over the Golden Order. Like, yes. there's just so much shit that, like, this is, it, it, it's important for this episode because you got to understand where everybody's coming from here. There's a lot of history with the Golden Order. To cut to the chase here, Marika has children. And first, yes. with her consort, Godfrey, the first Elden Lord, there, this will definitely have some spoilers in it this episode, so just prepare yourself. From them come Godwin the Golden. Very crucial. Morgoth the Omen King. And then Mog, Lord of Blood. What name? Admittedly, the weakest name, I think. The we- really? I mean, the sub, the sub name is Lord of Blood is good, but like Mog? Yeah, that's kind of a weak name. Literally have Godwin. They got bored at the end of it. They were just like, all right, third kid, yeah. whatever. Just smash on the keyboard. And something worth noting as well, which may be some vanity from George R. R. Martin, or not, he denies it. He, he says it's pure coincidence, but it is worth noting that um, an easy way to know who is very important in the world of Elden Ring is if their name begins with the letter G, R, or M. That I did not know. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so if, if, you're, if you want to know who's important, just remember what the first... If you see a G or an R or an M, that's how you know, okay, I need to remember this name. But things, as is common in From Software Lore, get complicated. Uh, and this, this part is annoying if you're learning the lore of the first time, but it makes more sense the more you just kind of live in the world of Elden Ring. Um, but Marika has a second half, a male counterpart known as Radigan. And Radigan, basic, Radigan is basically, it is Marika, but it's not Marika. It's some real, like, Holy Trinity stuff. And Radigan, as a separate entity, has children with Queen Renala, who is a royal from the Carrion royal family. And they also have three children, General Radon, Praetor Rikard, and the subject of this episode, Lunar Princess Rani. And then, to make things even more confusing, Marika somehow has children with herself as Radigan, and they have twins known as Millennia and Mikola. Millennia, notoriously known as quite possibly the most difficult boss in FromSoft history. I feel like that's a whole other way of saying that the narcissism that, that. queen marika definitely practices self-love yeah that's <laughs> that's for another episode so there's also the demigod uh godric the grafted who isn't a child of either of them but is instead a descendant of godwin the first uh, for a firstborn of marika and godfrey yeah, so he's not directly born of Marika, but he is of the, you know, the line. The, the bloodline. The, the golden yeah. lineage, as some may yeah, say. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's an official term that's coined. I just coined it, so <laughs> hire me from software. You've heard it here first, folks. So all of these children are demigods in the lands between, in some sort of way. And each possessing a shard of the Shattered Elden Ring. Shattered for reasons we'll discuss later on. And as shard bearers, they cling to this power that was granted to them by the great runes. Yeah, they basically get superpowers. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, each each great rune evokes a specific power born from the Elden Ring, and so each one evokes like a special gift or an effect when removed from the Elden Ring. Yeah, because well, just to like maybe clarify, like because the Elden Ring is a physical manifestation 
of the Golden Order. Um, pieces of it essentially have power of what keeps, what gives the Golden Order power, if that makes sense. It's very mythological and spiritual and magical. <laughs> Magic. And so as bearers of broken pieces of the Elden Ring, they become possessed with like the taint of madness that, so. for the record taint is the word that FromSoft uses i would not normally use this word but that's officially what it what they say it's the taint of madness i don't care if it's uncomfortable it's, to say or listen to it's just it's really interesting too because the way they they word it it's 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 like well they're tainted you know what i mean like they're yeah they, i think it it, means it's it in a that very sense. it's a very like Woo, like ooh, mystical form of saying like they just went fucking nuts, you know, like they they lost yes. their mind. It it corrupts them and it makes their brain go wackadoo. Like that's just With kind of taint. easy. Yeah, pretty yeah, pretty much. So destined to war now, basically eternally. That's kind of mm -hmm. how this works. Like it just makes them go nuts. They're all gonna go fight each other, and they have a claim to the throne of the Elden Lord. That's that's how it works. Mm -hmm. But they are never going to get it. That's the whole point. Yeah. They are destined like to fight forever for it, but they are also destined to never achieve it. It's like Sisyphus, you know? They're just rolling a boulder up a hill, and when they get to the top, it's going to fall back to the bottom again. Yeah. Darth Maul. And, uh, Shout out. Hey, Star Wars. Essentially, the pure strength of the runes that, was in, that were in their possession now corrupted them to the point where they felt compelled that they had to become the ultimate shard bearer with total disregard to the world around them. Um, like, they needed to achieve ultimate power by gathering all of the Dragon Balls, essentially, in yeah. one place and having all their wishes come go. true. There you go. Um, or, or, or all the, uh, the, like, runes and jackie chan adventures like all the little the talismans you know i i am of the generation that would get that but i don't oh get that, unfortunately. stop oh god oh god <laughs> um but in in their conflict to become uh neo essentially they show total disregard for the world around them as physically evident in the world um from the battle between millennia and radon that covered kaled in scarlet rot damning the land to eternal pestilence that because Kaled is a very notorious area in elden ring it's a very visually distinct area um because you might be coming straight out of limgrave which is a land of you know greens and yellows and oranges very lush woods and forests and then you venture to the east and it's just red it's like why is this place just red and it's because that's the scarlet rot that's the the remains of the battle between millennia and Radon. That's what millennia had to reduce the land to in order to even stand a chance against general Radon and his, uh, his, uh, gravitational speed. One of the worst areas to play in. I hate it. It's, Oh, like, it's, it's, it's a big terrible. difficulty spike too. It's well, it's just stressful. Massive. It's very stressful. Honestly, it's like, it's not even hard. It's just stressful. Pretty this much. There's a lot going on and it's a lot to deal with. Fire, fire, use fire. Uh, what I'll say here is if you have ever obviously played this game, you will know this place sucks, <laughs> but it wasn't always like that. Yes. These, these gods, these little baby demigods, if you will, they don't give a shit about anything. You see the houses in that area completely decimated. They're still there though. Like they, yeah. they are rotted themselves. People lived here. 
there were yeah. people who were like had lives here. You know, they they were living their life, and this bullshit happened between these two yeah. guys. They had no disregard for anything other than themselves, and they ruined everything in the area. They d- completely just fucked the planet, if you will. Planet, I say planet world. A lot of people say, like, Millennia is almost, like, one of the biggest villains in the game because she is the one who unleashes Scarlet Rot. Essentially, she has this big fight with Radon, and she's losing, and she, so she basically pulls the anime, you know, forgive me, master, I must use the forbidden technique, and activates the Scarlet Rot within her, and now you get Kaelid. And that's what, that's actually what turns Radon into who you fight in the boss fight. He's infected with the... Like, he's literally fighting the Scarlet Rot. That's why he's, like, just going nutso. It's because of millennia. So now we've heard about how all these gods have just destroyed the land. They don't care about it. They don't care about the people that live there. They're out for themselves. But there's one that kind of veers off course. Does not play by the same rules. Is not abiding by the, the power structure in play. So, as mentioned before, Ronnie is the daughter of Radigan, Marika's male counterpart, and Queen Renala, the matriarch of the Carrion royal family and head of the Academy of Rhea Lucario, a very prominent area in Elden Ring. One of the, one of the, the first major areas you go to in Lurnia. Rani is also not just a demigod, she's also what's known as an Empyrean, meaning that, like I said, she's not only a demigod, but also she was one of the specific children of Marika chosen by the Greater Wills as a potential successor to Marika to become a physical inheritor of the Elden Ring itself. Empyreans are essentially unique beings from outside the lands between, chosen by outer gods, as those worthy enough to serve as vessels for the Elden Ring. So, Ronnie was essentially in very divine company, and was essentially chosen by the gods themselves to maintain the Golden Order in the absence of Queen Marika. Now, with Ronnie being trained in the magic arts, she was trained by someone known only as the Snow Witch. There's not much known about the Snow Witch other than this was a person that existed. Yeah, pretty much. And this is where Ronnie gets uh, her alias from, Ronnie the Witch. Yeah, she's and known it's... as a lot of things, Lunar Princess Ronnie, but also Ronnie the Snow Witch, or just Ronnie the Witch. Now, it's also thanks to her connection with her mother, Renala, that Ronnie forms this deep connection to the moon. As evident in uh, the legendary spell, if you guys have used the, uh, you can unit, uh, it's uh, Ronnie's Dark Moon. Yeah, it's required for the Platinum Trophy. <laughs> yes, yes, I have not had gotten that yet. Definitely not. So if you fight Renala, she's one of the first bosses. I don't think it's insane to mention that. Her boss stage is essentially a flat background with a giant moon in the background. So, um, And Renala has like a lot of lunar-based spells, so I think a lot of that connection was imparted on Ronnie. That's why also she's called Lunar Princess Ronnie. Is because that's ah. more it indicating towards her lineage from Renala rather than Radigan, if that makes sense. So Rani, as seen after the Shattering, is a four-armed girl with blue skin. So she's a mutant smurf, clothed in white, and is donning a large witch's hat. And if you uh, actually, if you look closely, you can see 
like another uh, seemingly like spectral face mm-hmm. mirroring hers at like almost all times, like sharing her closed right eye. The yeah, whole it looks like it looks like her other half of her face is made out of stars. And there's a very specific reason why she she has this form that she does. And it's not because she's a mutant or anything like that. Like she has four arms uh, for a reason. But we'll we'll get to and and it's also worth noting I wanted to point out that like a lot of these most of these characters um were very different before the shattering occurred. And we'll go into details of what the shattering is later. But another fun fact about uh George R. R. Martin's involvement with Elden Ring is that it wasn't entirely clear what his involvement was. Um, but I did some digging and actually his involvement pretty much involved writing and establishing all of these demigods and characters in their pre-shattering form. And then the team at From Software took that and ran with it. There's some quotes from Miyazaki that said like, oh, I wonder what George R.R. R. Martin is going to think about what we did to all his characters. And that's because he handled all the, 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 you know, the, the pre-bad times versions of them. And then From Software, it's like, what if we just ruined all their lives and made them horrible people? Okay, so that is Ronnie. That's where they come from. That is who they are, what they look like. And that is... They're very uh, stable family, we'll say. So what is Ronnie's motivation? Why are they doing what they're doing? Uh, We're going to get to that, but first, we're going to get a word from our sponsors. Okay, so now we're back. So now we've talked about who Ronnie is, where they come from, what's the kind of deal with their weird uh, family, you know, how's Christmas going to look, you know, holidays, whatever. But what is Ronnie's motivation? What is Ronnie's kind of spiel here? Why are they doing everything different than the rest of their family? The strength of Ronnie's character is because her motivation is so clearly demonstrated and is so pinpoint laser focused. And that motivation is just end the Golden Order, I should say, and end the cycle created by the Golden Order and essentially free mankind from playing as the Outer Gods' puppets. She is insanely dedicated to this cause, going as far as having one of her own demigod brethren, Godwin the Golden, assassinated in what is known in-game as the Knight of Black Knives, thus triggering the Shattering by upsetting Queen Marika so deeply. Wow, killing family really is just, you know, why do they, they just, you know, what a, I would not want to go to like, you know, any kind of family gathering with these people. They took a page out of the Gurm's notes for sure. It's terrible. So, obviously, it's hard to look at her as an objectively good character, or, like, a morally good character when she went so far as to assassinate someone she was related to, but she doesn't even, she doesn't regret it at all, because the player can actually confront her about this, like, I know it was you that did, you know, the the Night of Black Knives, I know it was you that essentially triggered the Shattering, and she goes, I know it was you, Fredo, I know it was you. (laughs) I loved you. And she basically just goes, yeah, and? As far as she's concerned, it was a necessary step to bring about um, the end of the Golden Order. But in order to kill Godwin, Godwin, being the firstborn of Marika, was extremely powerful. Um, So in order to kill a demigod, Ronnie needed a piece of something called the Rune of Death. Something that she took from its protector, Malekith, and abandoned her earthly form to use. Uh, Malekith is a character that you do actually encounter in Elden Ring, and you, the player, actually, like, 
get the rune of death from him later in the story to spoil things. The long and short of the rune of death is that essentially it's the one of the only things in the lands between that can actually truly kill something no matter what they are. It's destined death as they call it within the game. Um it's true death. There's no coming back from it. There's no resurrection. There's no round table hold for you. It can also keep people from dying when withheld, which is what the shattering caused and what created the tarnish to the player character. It's why when you, the player character, die, you keep coming back. Is because destined death is no longer a part of this world because the rune of death is back in Malekith's hands and he doesn't want anyone to take it because he's abiding by Queen Marika's will because she didn't want anyone to die because she was so upset because Godwin was killed and, you, you know, when someone close to you is killed tends to affect your worldview on death itself, I guess. This thing is pretty cool. It's kind of like the Grim Reaper's sickle, if you will. Essentially. Uh, the, the Grim Reaper doesn't have it anymore, and so at death is not really a thing. Uh, the only time you can kill somebody is if you have the sickle. Like, truly kill somebody. And that's what makes Malaketh so badass, in my opinion. He's like the protector of death itself. Like, he's not the dealer of death. He's like the one who keeps it from falling into the wrong hands. So, as I mentioned before, Ronnie uses the rune of death she steals it from Malaketh and uses it to kill godwin the golden and she abandons her earthly form to use it and what i mean by that is that it's actually why she appears as a doll now because when she used the rune of death it essentially turned it killed her instantly it, she's dead ronnie's ronnie's dead like her earthly form the, the the body she was born with is dead. And you can actually find it in her quest line. It's literally a charred corpse that is lying next to a small doll in a witch's outfit. And that doll has four arms. Essentially, the form she takes now, she essentially astral projected into a life-size version of the doll she had with her when she died. And that's the form she takes now. Um, so that's why she has four arms. That's why she's blue. It's not actually her body. She's just inhabiting a life-size doll. And the face you see conjoined with hers, the spectral starry face, is essentially her soul hovering inside and next to her new corporeal form. <sighs> it's, a, it's, a t it's, it's, a lot to, it's a lot to digest. So as an Empyrean, then, Ronnie was selected. Yeah, we'll say selected mm -hmm. by the greater wills to eventually take Marika's place. She, her fate was kind of destined for her before she was even born. Yeah, it was. It's like a fate she rejected, though, and then a fate she wishes to spare from anyone else. I, she doesn't really like anybody. She kind of doesn't like the whole fate thing. And her, her, her life, like you said, her life was kind of decided from the moment she was born. And and yeah, despite some of her more extreme we'll say extreme We're killing measures. her half brother it's yeah 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 like i mean that's not come on guys that's extreme <laughs> right is that i mean in this world you know it's it's normal everybody's doing it it's all she's doing all this stuff to spare herself and then all living creatures from sharing that kind of fate she's not all about the fate thing she thinks it's bullshit she doesn't like that i mean she she you know she has a very she's a very strong relationship with, you know, being chosen by fate, having her life decided for her, um, a life she never really wanted. And so that's what really dictates her motivation is the fact that she was 
one of these select few that was destined to be a vessel for the Elden Ring. And she's like, well, I never asked for this. Why, why would anyone ask for this? And so that, that's really, I would say like the, the motive, like the, where the, her motivation stems from, I would, I would argue. Yeah. And then, so in her quest to disrupt the golden order and then establish this kind of like new way of life for the lands between we kind of meet the player. Hello. What's up? While the immediate interest in Ronnie might be from like a visual perspective of her like very odd, unique, and charming style, what really cements her as like a character worth, I would say, fighting for is kind of what she represents within the context of not not just Elden Ring, but like in general, like from soft mm-hmm. games, like kind of as a whole. Because she's there's not really any character like her in from soft games. Yeah, I would argue it's like the closest thing we get in a FromSoft uh, from software game to a, you know, debatably objectively good character whose morals are generally like agreeable and come from an earnest place and kind of have like humanity's best wishes, you know, in in mind. I mean, that, that's something that a lot of Dark Souls characters would argue is like, oh, I'm doing this because it's what's best for this world. But I feel like Ronnie's quest truly is um, arguably the most noble out of all the characters in Elden Ring, save for maybe uh, Fia or Faya. It's very reminiscent of, uh, like, with I mean, you think about George R. R. Martin. It's very reminiscent of, like, the whole Game of Thrones stuff with, yeah i i wasn't think about daenerys says i want to break the wheel exactly you know but you also have to keep in mind that george rr martin wrote these characters pre-shattering but i guess perhaps this is something he had in mind when he wrote ronnie is that she is the one that triggers this whole event because she takes a role similar to daenerys where she see where she sees um the kind of societal order of things and decides i don't like this why is why did we just agree upon this being you know, the way things are. So there's definitely similarities. I mean, as the player, we also are kind of, that's our plan too, is break free from this established bullshit rule system of like what these gods have done. And then I, honestly, the gods, the gods, if you will, of FromSoft, like them, what they've done in every other game. And the thing is like the initial goal of the game is to become Elden Lord. And how do you become Elden Lord? You kill the demigods in your way anyway. So already you're kind of disrupting the natural order of things to forge your own idea of, you know, what society or this world should be like. But it's still in a manner that maintains the status quo, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's it's playing by the rules to change the rules marginally, whereas Ronnie kind of represents an entire, just like a completely clean break from the established format and... It's like, we're, we're going to do things very differently from here on out. So then I have a question for you. How do we, as a player, interact with this situation? Like, why is she so important to the actions that we take, especially if we are kind of going for the goal of Elden Lord, which is kind of the traditional uh, role or, or quest line in this yeah. world, but also we kind of try we kind of stray from it a little bit too but like so why why is she so important to the actions that we take as a player well i kind of want to focus on the thing you said about straying from it it's because you know the player can choose to stray from it you know there's so many different quest lines in this game there's so many different endings oh yeah no this place is nuts the the player can kind of dictate what they want to do and i feel like 
that mentality is exemplified in Ronnie's motivation is because, you know, the player inherently is given more freedom than they've ever had in Elden Ring compared to the rest of the FromSoft catalog. And Ronnie's goals kind of align with that of just complete freedom from the established order. And so the same way that the player kind of breaks free from traditional video game linearity just by playing Elden Ring, that's that's Ronnie's goal too. So I think the the goals of the player and Ronnie are aligned, which is why I think um, she's so important in the context of Elden Ring. And because she's also completely missable. You know, you have to seek her out or just stumble upon her. Nothing in the game says, hey, go find Ronnie. Go, go do this quest. You're just kind of exploring. And it's like, I'm just going to keep going this way. Oh, here's this cool castle. Oh, hey, it's the little witch girl I met at the church like forever ago. What, what's going on here? I haven't seen her yeah. in forever. Oh, yeah. it turns out she lied about her name. And, you know, she also has one of my favorite dialogue moments in the game where when you meet her, I feel like this just says everything there is about like what makes Elden Ring special, what makes Ronnie special in the context of Elden Ring is that when you meet her again, she asks, she, she says like, I never invited you here. I never told you where I was. Why did you even come here? And you're given one dialogue option, which is no particular reason. You know, and it's like, that is just, that is yeah. peak, that is yeah. peak Elden Ring. That is peak from software design philosophy for Elden Ring, which is, you don't do things for any particular reason in Elden Ring. You do things because they excite you or they interest you or just because you wanted to see what would happen. And that's literally how you find Ronnie. And so that's why I feel like she is low-key, like, the most important character in Elden Ring. And, like, I think that's why people love her so much. I'd agree. She really is, like, kind of what you as a player. It's almost like if you as the player, aside from being your character, that's you. Yeah. Like, you do, you do what you want. Like, it's not, exactly. there's no script, there's no pre-made path for you. I'm doing things my way, not the way the Golden Order dictated. Yeah, and you, you have all these different pathways and these different roads that you can take. Some of them are going to be more treacherous, you know, without that uh, talisman. But you know what? Well, Go for and it. Here's that's the thing, what you want to do. Is that the game literally guides you with the grace, you know, where it, you open yeah, the map yeah, and it yeah. literally gives you a yellow line pointing in the direction of what you should do next. And uh, guess what? You can ignore that. That's the golden order. You know, that's the grace that you're given as Tarnish telling you what, you know, the path is. And I almost think that From Software put that there as almost a way of like wanting the player to say, no, fuck you. I'm going to go this way or that way. I'm going to turn left here instead. Like, I'm not going to do, you know, I'm going to do all the side quests first. You know, it's the, it's because it's such a, it's a video game thing to just do all the side quests. Well, first. that's really interesting too, because with From Software games, a lot of the times they don't have that kind of thing. They, they now here's the thing with from software games they don't sometimes need that there's just set pathways for you to take this is the first open world like true open world style yeah truly non-linear from software game i would say where like you can literally only do you only have to do two bosses before you get to the golden plateau you don't have to do the four demigods it gives you you can just do two of them and you're good but to go. here's the thing here's the thing i remember when the game first came out a lot of people were complaining about the grace a lot of people were like oh, oh it's, yeah you know like fable 2 kind of felt like fable 2 with like the little golden line well it's the same thing with the statue the the shrines of marika it's like oh it's being too handholdy 
It's telling you where to go. It's giving you checkpoints. But here's the thing. There's all a rhyme and reason. There's a philosophical yeah, reason exactly. for why this shit is in the mm-hmm. game. And I'm not talking about like in-game philosophical mm-hmm. reason. We're talking like what you just said. They put this golden map to tell you where to go, this little line, because that is the normal game way of playing it. If you want to if you want to do your predestined path, you know, deigned by fate, go for it. But if you want to be a little like Ronnie and break free from the, you know, fate, then you're going to turn left a little bit more. But yeah, so like there's all this linear design shit put in there. But we get this freedom from conversations, from items given to us that we don't have to take that. We get She's not the only character who does this for you, like gives you an item that can like kind of change the way you play and yeah. kind of way you look at the map and everything. But we 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 don't have to take that path. You do not have to do that. And I think that as a character, her goals, if you will, are for us not to take that path. Well, and here's something I also want to bring up is that Ronnie gives you the Spirit Ash summoning bell. Um, which is a mechanic that a lot of players are very polarized by, to the point where some players say, that's not real from software, that's not real Dark Souls. That I shouldn't, this, this makes the game too easy, or this, you know, makes, like, because essentially you're summoning something to help you out. You're, it's an NPC summon at your command, essentially. And a lot of people say, like, I don't want to use that. And that's your choice. That you can choose, she gives you a thing that you can do whatever you want to do with. You can actively ignore it. Well, that's not just a, a Ronnie thing. That's just that just shows you the design philosophy of Elden Ring is that it gives you so many choices of what you can do, but you don't necessarily have to. Well, do. what's really cool too, I remember when you get Torrent, right? She even comments on it. Oh yeah, like, she's like, you, oh yeah, I you see you have her, Torrent. Yeah, she comments on it. So, like, you get you get Torrent, but she's like, yeah, I think you should keep him. Because I, if I remember, you're supposed to give her give him to her, right? Uh, I don't necessarily remember. I just know... I, I, I remember she comments on it, and she says, like, hey, you know, you have... You're a special little boy for having Torrent, essentially. Yeah, like, she's all excited about it. Because if you think about it, what's Torrent? Torrent is another way for you to have freedom, a way for you to... A spectral speed. Yeah, like, you can you can go places you normally wouldn't go, and she's, like, excited about that for you, which is really cool. She definitely comments on it. It's like, oh, you're, you're special. Like, but that's the thing is she sees that you are different, and you are going to walk a different path, most likely. I think she even does say, like, oh, I'm curious what your, your journey will behold if you're in control of Torrent. Yeah. I could be making that up, but I'm relatively no, sure from what is. I remember, considering is. I've beaten the game, like, three times. <laughs> she yeah, says something yeah, yeah. akin to that for all the reasons we've we've discussed i think that's why ronnie i don't necessarily know if from software feels this way or if this is why they've made her the way she is but i feel that ronnie is the most important character in elden ring because as we've thoroughly discussed here she exemplifies everything the game is all about it breaks the traditional FromSoft cycles it encourages freedom and choice you know, the same way Ronnie wants to dismantle the Golden Order and take you, the player, as her consort, uh, so too does From Software want to break free of some of their more linear design in favor of a dramatically more open-ended and non-linear approach. Dare I say, 
Breath of the Wildian approach. <laughs> not to say, you know, not to... Because the funny thing is, is that, like, when Dark Souls came out, everything was compared to Dark Souls. I remember that. You know, everything's yeah. the Dark Souls of something. And now everything's the Breath of the Wild of something. So I don't want to fall into that same pattern. I do feel like Breath of the Wild was kind of like a green light saying, like, you can trust the player to do some crazy shit now. You know, it's okay. Like, they like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely do. And I think also, like, she's just cool. Like, she's just a really cool character. Like, also, yeah. She, she's literally a little blue witch girl. Like, that's, that's sick. Yeah, like, just her outfit and design. Like, everything is really cool. Plus the backstory. Like, that's oh, so yeah. badass. Like, she's dead. She's literally a ghost, essentially. She's like... Yeah. She's a ghost possessing a doll. Yeah, and we have to interact with her, and you see her, like, ghost, like, soul, like, on the side all the time. Like, you know something. It's just, Oh, man. And that's not even going into the whole, like, her whole crew that she commands, like, Blythe, the, the, the wolf man, who is very similar to Guts from Berserk. Yes. Um, I think Selen, cool. the mage, who's kind of a shitlord, but whatever. Um, so she, she has her own posse of people that are dedicated to her cause the same way you are. She doesn't just endear the character, she's also endearing within the world itself. And she was literally too angry to die, you know, to... Like, she, she was so driven by her motivation, she literally died and stayed alive just so she could carry out her mission. Well, now, this is sounding very dark side Star Wars here. Like, she was so angry, she, like, had to stay alive. Yeah. Like, she used the She's force. She's basically a force ghost, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. She's a dark side force ghost. Yeah. So, okay, let's talk about final thoughts here. We've, we've talked a lot about uh, Ronnie, w- again, where they're from, what they do what are their motivations why is she doing what she's doing she's Mm. a lot like us so what are your Mm -hmm. i'm curious like you know final thoughts we're gonna wrap this up what do you think of kind of from software's viewpoint what do you think of souls games in general we don't again we don't have this type of character so this is a new context yeah this is this is a new thing here and the motivation is is very much against the norm. It's not about the linear. It's about, you know, doing what you as a player want, want to do, but like just you as a person, you know, even, yeah. even, even as a player, but also just in context of story as well. Yeah, because traditionally from software games are all about the folly of power, how those yeah. with power will do anything to maintain their power. Um, you know, you have like, literally like turning the world to ash in the case of dark souls where um they threaten the world itself because they're they don't want to let go of the power they have um and so ronnie is amazing because she essentially says no i'm giving the player a choice to you know tr- give them a little bit of an uh, an objectively good thing going on yeah. and so that's why i kind of referenced the beginning it's like whereas in most FromSoft games, and Elden Ring isn't completely an exception, like, it's very nihilistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Ronnie kind of represents something different, and that's represented in not just, like, the narrative, but also the gameplay design, with the very non-linear and free approach um, to let the player make their own decisions and tackle the story in whatever order they want. Um, and that's not to say that the other Soulsborne games weren't like it's not to say that they were linear because that's one of the joys of dark souls is like stumbling upon an optional area and then looping back is like holy crap that connects to here and i missed it the first time but i found yeah, it here there's really a lot cool. of optional paths and bloodborne also is very famous for this where there's 
lots of optional bosses and entire areas that you can miss. But Elden Ring approaches it in a much more open-ended way. There's just an absolute wealth of builds you can choose from, characters you want to make, directions you can take, and entire quest lines to pursue or ignore. So for Ronnie to be missable and so important is not just peak FromSoft, but also a demonstration of what makes Elden Ring so special in comparison to the rest of From Software's catalog. And considering her ending, The Age of Stars, perhaps the new era she ushers in in the lands between is indicative of what From Software has in mind for some of their future titles. Yeah, that makes me like super excited for what's to come. Yeah. Is this the philosophy they're going to have taking like moving forward, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, when you think of Ronnie though, like what's really cool is the fact that not only did FromSoft create a game that is essentially open world and that you now get to do really whatever you want. And they encourage that and they want they ha- they have that guy like we said, they have that guiding golden mm. trail to try to keep the you grace. on yeah, the path if you will. But getting really star warsy here but um (laughs) but i don't blame you yeah right but the cool thing here is that they took that manifestation of the philosophical thought process of them trying this out because again this is this is the first time they've kind of done this style of gameplay uh to -hmm. this extent i think it's really cool that they took that that philosophical thought process of gameplay of what you're going to do of of what it is that you get to now have the freedom to do and they physically manifested it as a character and then you can interact with that character and that character has such that physical manifestation of that philosophical thought process has such a huge impact in the story in that world and that is not to interrupt, but she is an Empyrean. I mean, meant to be yes. a vessel for yeah, the Elden Ring. Yeah, yeah. So she is a vessel. She's literally a vessel. That's the thing. Wow. Whoa. That that's the thing. She's the vessel of that philosophical. Mm-hmm. Okay, my brain. Uh, oh Sorry, I didn't want to interrupt you, but I'm like, I just had a, I just had a brain blast. That's, that's that is legit. That that's what's cool about it is they made a character. That's even backstory is now, like now that you said that is their backstory is even what they literally are like that that's that mm-hmm. is just such good it's writing. very meta yeah it's super meta but it's just it's just really good writing to have a character like that and like you said missable but also like super important like the fact that you could you know you could follow i guess you say the the grace and kind of just doesn't you don't really have to interact with her that much at all it never points i mean it, it would not point to her considering she is a threat to the grace to the exactly. gold order so like so it's like no 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 don't go there that's what's so crazy is that you have the old school style of gameplay and and what you do and mm-hmm. that if anything like that kind of strays you away from what the game itself is all about mm-hmm Well, that about wraps it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.